Hello and welcome in to not the last, but the final prospect episode breakdown of the Lunch Pail Draftcast. It is Thursday morning of draft minutes, which in case you guys didn't know listening out there, that means it is draft day. It is 7.15 in the morning. Jacob and I woke up early special just for you guys so we can give you the <laughs> breakdown of interior defensive linemen and those tight ends. Jacob, how are you feeling this fine morning? Well, in all honesty, physically, I feel like garbage because I just, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I woke up early uh, last, last night. I, uh, I went to the rec center, played basketball for an hour and a half, uh, lifted for maybe half an hour, uh, which is an interesting combination. But I just, uh, when the spirit calls, the spirit calls, but uh, it, it's going to be the uh, the adrenaline and the excitement of draft day that gets me through. So uh, I'm excited to be here. It's my favorite time of year. So uh, I'm just very, uh, very pumped to see what happens these next few days. And I'm sure it completely shocks those listening out there that this is our favorite time of year. It's not like we literally do a podcast that you guys are hopefully listening to. Yeah, right and it's, it's not like we have draft literally in the name of our podcast or anything so no no we don't have yeah what the hell are you talking about of course being ridiculous here Um, okay so i think we should save what i deem to probably be the better position group for the last in this uh episode let's start off with the interior defensive lineman i think that has a little more play honestly for the bears coming up this upcoming season but the interior defensive lineman class is a bit interesting, especially because I feel like as we've moved more and more to the style of defenses we have, it's, we don't really have like true three techniques or true this out of the others as much as we have like kind of guys just that, that just do it all and are interchangeable between the different techniques inside, whether it be your five technique who kicks into three technique, three technique that can also double as a two technique. And then the guys that do zero one and three because of their versatility, whereas it used to be years back, like you did nose tackle this yeah. at the other, but Jacob, let's have you start kick it off here to use a football analogy. We're going to kick it off. Perfect. Who is your interior defensive lineman one? Yeah, so my interior defensive lineman one is Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Uh, I think that I mean, it's a, it's a talent from a top heavy perspective. I feel like there are a handful of guys that you can make an argument for. Uh, but my top guy is Jordan Davis. I, I just think from you know a size perspective, you're looking at a dude who's like six six three thirty with you know just good natural power proportion well throughout his frame and you know a quick first step I mean we saw it uh just how well he tested at the combine and I think you know for the most part that does show up on tape just how athletic he is especially for how big of a guy he is and I think that he uses his hands pretty well and obviously being a taller guy leverage could be an issue and I don't know if he's a three down guy just because as big as he is, I don't know if he has the stamina to play in that role, but I think just the freakish size and athleticism is just, it's too much to ignore for me. I mean, you got to take a shot on round one. Yeah. And that's where I actually have him as my interior defensive lineman one as well, 
it, it becomes like a tools argument. Like, yeah, got, like his teammate Devontae Wyatt has a argument for that same spot, but it becomes like how many times does a human being built the way Jordan Davis is that moves the way he can, that does these things just come around on planet earth to play football. And it's like, do I think his production is there? No, I don't think it's as good as what his, what his measurables would have implied, but it's like, just take a, it it becomes the tools thing. Like just swing on the loudest tools. If that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, most certainly. And you mentioned Devontae Wyatt and I don't know about you. He's my IDL too, actually. Yep. Uh, it's, it's amazing as you go through like the draft stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. Georgia defenders are literally everywhere. It's insane. And like literally, we've touched on so many guys from the edge rushers to the linebackers to, you know, they've got, uh, you know, a safety and a corner in there too. So it's, just unbelievable to me just how stacked that defense was. But, yeah, no, so. It's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, we can kick into uh, Wyatt if that's cool because. Go ahead. That, Absolutely. That's, that's a guy who, you know, he's not nearly as big as Jordan Davis. He's like, you know, three inches shorter and, you know, like more than 20 pounds lighter. So you're looking at a different type of, you know, build there. Uh, but I think he's. You can make an argument he has the best first step in this class. I think he's just a very good athlete, and he tested incredibly well at the Combine, and I think that shows on tape uh, how fluid of a mover he is, uh, how explosive he is uh, in his first couple steps and his ability to penetrate the backfield. Uh, does a good job of keeping his pads low, too. And you know, that's something that you know sometimes you don't see even if you're a little bit shorter for an IDL. And when I say shorter, I mean like six, two, six, three, which is still taller than the average human. It's just, there are some really big IDLs out there. Uh, And some of the shorter guys, you can tell when they're getting their pads low or if they're just like literally the lower man only because they're short. They're short, right. Yeah, and Devontae Wyatt does a good job of keeping his pads low and his weight underneath him, his center of gravity low. So, you know, even though he's not the most powerful guy, he's not the best gap eater against the run, uh, I feel like he does a pretty good job of trying to maximize that the best he can. I think you're looking at someone who can rush the passer well as a three-tech. Jordan Davis, I think, is maybe a bit more of a – a one tech feel free to disagree with me or you can I, no i would agree i think you could even make the argument that he's a freak show at zero tech and just let him work because of that yeah. massive size no most Which, certainly it, it, it's it's splitting hairs when you're talking about zero one tech stuff like that it, it's just a matter of where the nose guard is lining up on the defensive line but I'm, it, we're just literally spitballing what they could be yeah yeah no so yeah, I love both of those Georgia guys. I mean, it's again, it's unbelievable how much talent they had, and they still have so many now, guys returning next year. Now, here's where I think we might get a bit wonky because my interior defensive lineman three actually didn't play much on the interior, and he's actually become probably one of my personal favorite fits 
in the entirety of the draft for the Chicago Bears, and that's Logan Hall. Hmm. Logan Hall is my interior lineman three, and he is probably the closest thing I've evaluated to a pure, true three technique, like in the vein of Tommy Harris is role, but yeah. a completely different body type. You know, he's six six. He's only two hundred and eighty five pounds. The get off is absolutely insane, and he's super long. Like, and the reason I think he could be a fit when you factor in that athletic profile is also Matt Eberflus really prioritized when they acquired DeForest Buckner for that defense, the length on the interior, Jordan Davis or not Jordan Davis. I'm sorry. Logan Hall has very, very long arms. So you factor in that and he's twitched up. He looks the part more than anything. Like he, like I've said on this podcast a couple times this year that there are certain guys look like they were built in a lab to play a specific brand of football. Logan Hall looks like he was built in a lab to play interior defensive line in a 40 front. Um, where he does tend to, or, or let me first, before I get to his, uh, his negatives that I see is um, the length he's able to leverage and long arm guys away from himself. He's always going his motor actually for a defensive lineman, which is f- funny to say, doesn't quit and he just really gets the most out of his ability. And then you even see him sometimes blowing up the screen game because of that natural athleticism and length that he has. Now he does tend to play a little tall because of his leverage and he's six foot six. So he's naturally just going to be, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Jacob, a little bit higher up there. So he's got to work on his pad level and he does tend to kind of guess versus anticipate from time to time where he's just like, I'm trying to make a play, whatever. Um, but it is worth noting if you go through like his um, his school listed measurements in terms of weight, he got bigger substantially, quite literally every year he was there. Now I know he played primarily on the outside for Houston Cougar defense, but I think he actually projects better to the inside. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, uh, and I'm not too far off with you. I have Logan Hall as my IDL four. So, you know, similar kind of range there. You know, I think you're looking at him as, you know, early round two. There are talks he could go late round one. I mean, I, I, we'll find out later today, but which still feels so weird to say, find out later today. I mean, it's literally draft day. It's That's, here. It's, it's here. It's real. No, I'm sitting here eating my pancakes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't see I, – I haven't seen draft day yet this year. I need to get on that. I'm probably going to, depending on when my work finishes up today, I'll probably watch it before the draft actually kicks off. Like it's a, it's a terrible movie, but it's so terrible. It's enjoyable. Yeah. No. Anyway, before we get too sidetracked into draft day talk, who, who did, so you had Logan Hall as your fourth rated interior line. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you have at three then? Yeah. So I, I saw a lot of the same things you did in Hall. I think you summed them up perfectly. Uh, my number three is someone who, uh, again, you know, did take a decent amount of snaps off the edge over the course of his collegiate career. Someone who started out the year as my IDL one and was honestly was hyped a ton and, you know, maybe didn't have the season that some were expecting him to have in 2021, but the tools are still there. In my opinion, that's DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M. He's someone I think could project well as a three tech, someone who could 
you know, potentially kick outside in a five tech sort of role could rush as a stand-up guy if needed in the pros, but I think he's a little bit better off inside. Uh, and he's someone who maybe didn't test insanely well, but you watch the tape and I just see a lot of explosiveness. I see, yep. you know, a dynamic first step. I see his ability to, you know, generate power, especially in his upper body. I think he, you know, packs a punch at the point of attack and all told, I, I feel like he's a solid gap eater against the run. Cause he's a, you know, a, a little bit stouter. He's six, four around two ninety. Uh, he just has, you know, good raw power in his frame. And while, Oh, wow. A sneeze. Oh boy. Oh no, <laughs> Jacob, please. There we Bless go. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I didn't get to hit the mute button in time. And, you know, it, the, the thing is, like, when you're sneezing live recording, like, I don't know how to go about that. That's the first time I've ever sneezed live on this podcast, I think. So this is this is historic in many ways here today. But, yeah, no, I think Leal brings a lot from an explosive perspective. He's a very good pass rusher. Uh, there are concerns with his profile. Uh, I don't put too much stock in his marijuana arrest because – I mean, it's, it's the NFL, like marijuana is becoming, you know, much less of a concern for teams, honestly, as it probably should be. So uh, I think I may have mentioned this to you last year. If there's a guy falling in the NFL draft specifically due to the fact that he smokes weed, take him because it means he's probably good at football. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I there is no basis for why I believe this other than a lot of time like this goes back to years ago when the Bears signed Christian Jones as an undrafted free agent because yeah. I thought Christian Jones was like a second round talent or so maybe even higher I'd have to like go back and find those notes from God knows how many years ago at this point <laughs> but it's like take the weed guy he's probably pretty good at football yeah but, so I'm gonna kind of throw a change up at you here and. I actually have Leal as number five on my board. Okay. I Number four I have is Perrion Winfrey from mm. Oklahoma. And I, I was conflicted with this because four, five, and six between Perrion, Travis Jones of UConn, and Leal because Travis Jones played in position from what I watched. Yeah. And he – was a menace to society at UConn where he would just ragdoll defenders. He just did, but that whatever I'll, we'll, we'll get to him. Yeah. Perry on Winfrey is a freak of nature athletically and it shows on tape. The issue is the motor he's hot and cold. And I don't know what was going on down in Norman, Oklahoma, but they didn't play him in position. It felt like it felt like he was completely out of position and that's frustrating, but it's like all projection. Like DeMarvin Leal, yeah, he played a little inside, but primarily outside. Same goes for Logan Hall. But it's like Perry Murphy was playing inside where he should have been, but they were asking him to like two gap and set, set an anchor and just kind of be a run stuffer versus just go get the quarterback, bro. Yeah. Like, and, it, and I know he's going to, 
he, he's gotten a little bit of run on Bears Twitter because of what uh, Tommy Harris said about him on the lunch on, on a the No Name Football co- podcast hosted by Owen Crutes and Jason McKee. And that's an easy like transition, like oh, super athletic defensive tackle, Oklahoma, Tommy Harris, Matt Eberflus, the similarities within the defenses and whatnot. Yeah. But it's like he's a much more of a projection based off of just pure athletic profile versus what he actually did for the Sooners versus what he what I think he is. I think he could be a steal. He also could be a nothing. It's he's like boom or bust in a weird way, but I really like him. Like if you were to miss on Logan Hall, I think Perry, would probably be my next choice. Yeah. And I have Winfrey as my IDL five and, you know, to touch on the Tommy Harris point, I do think Winfrey could fit in that mold. I, I think Devontae Wyatt's a bit of a better uh, comparison to Tommy Harris than Winfrey is. But, you know, I, I get why people have been comparing Winfrey to Harris. I mean, like you mentioned, the the speed, the size, Oklahoma. The get off. Like that's, the, like know, the, that, exactly. that's his big calling card. His get-off is ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think – when I mention you know acceleration, he's another guy you can make an argument for the best in the IDL class. Uh, just a you know a really good athlete and you know good mobility in space. Uh, I, I think that he's maybe not as reliable of a run defender as some of the other top IDLs in this class, uh, but I, I think he does a good job of maintaining good hand activity. I think he has a decent enough arsenal as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, solid. It, like I said, size. it feels like it's such a it's such a jump to like because of where he was pl- being played on that defensive line. They just played him at the wrong position when they should have been letting him be an interior pass rusher. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's you know a big thing. Like you mentioned with Travis Jones, like he played in position. UConn did a good job of keeping him where he deserved to be. And and, we- it, it, and he's more of a I don't want to call him a nose tackle, but he was more of a one tackle. Where he's kind of yeah. just being a bully and he was good at it. I mean, let's get it in. Let's just get into Travis Jones since we're here. Yeah. Like, no, for sure. He's six, four, just under 330 pounds, super long arms. He's got a great anchor. And he's like, if you look at him, like if you, if you were to describe what a nose tackle two gapping guy should look like, it's Travis Jones. He looks the yeah. part. He is muscular throughout his whole frame. He is long. He is strong. Pause. This is getting really weird. <laughs> um, I, f- I feel like every episode we have some of these moments, honestly, like <laughs> getting progressively and progressively. <laughs> um. like, but I, and I, I think again, kind of like what I was mentioning with Logan Hall applies here to, to Jones. His, his big thing is when he does lose it's leverage base, he is so tall he is just naturally going to be higher than people. He kind of comes out of his, he kind of rate, he shoots his hips up too soon and he just kind of gets just fully extended. And that just kind of throws him off. But when you watch him, he just is absolutely big brothering some of the offensive guards and centers in front of him, where he's just throwing them off of him. Like they're, they're gnats, like just see ya, goodbye, get off me. And he <laughs> tested really well. Like, could he theoretically be more of a pass rusher? Sure. But I think you'd be, maybe doing the player a disservice in terms of what he is meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with him, you're making an argument, one of the top run defenders in this class, just like you absolutely the power, the ferocity, just how tough he plays. And I think that, 
you know, he could on tape, at least mobility, he could stand to get a little bit better in that regard. But even then he still has a nice first step and, you know, he's quick out of his stance, you know, even if it is a little upright sometimes. So you're looking at a talented guy there. So I do have one other guy that I consider to be in the higher end of IDLs. I don't know if you consider him to be an edge. So I'll just mention, and then we can figure out where we want to go from there. That's Cameron Thomas out of San Diego state. So uh, I'll I'll let you back. I'm conflicted on him mainly because I haven't, I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit I haven't watched nearly enough of Cameron Thomas to feel like I should comment on him. So I'll let you go ahead and break him down, but full disclosure, the one, I think I've watched a game of him. Like, unfortunately I just don't have time. Like I want, yeah. wanted to this year to get to everybody. I want to say he almost lined up exclusively outside in the one game I watched, but by all means, break him down. Let me hear what you think. Yeah. So I think that with Cameron Thomas, I think that you can make definitely make the argument that he's going to be an edge rusher. Uh, I think if he is, it'll be exclusively in like that four, three kind of role. I think that if you put him in a three, four, then you might have to kick him inside. So I, I, I don't even know if I feel totally comfortable putting him, considering him fully inside. Cause I think that there's that versatility there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think there's a lot to like with this game. I think he's, you know, qu- quick off the ball. You're looking at someone with good athleticism in space, a well-rounded game. Uh, doesn't really have too many glaring weaknesses. I think there are a lot of things that he's decent at, and he brings above-average athleticism, especially uh, if you do kick him inside. And I don't know exactly how high his ceiling is, just because I think his strength is good but not great. His ability to you know, either set the edge or just hold up blocks in the run game is good but not great. Uh, he does have a decent, you know, arsenal as a pass rusher. So you could kick him inside in certain situational, uh, like pass rushing downs. But I don't know. I, I think that it's an interesting case about whether you want him inside or outside. But regardless, I think you're looking sure. at someone who can contribute in the league. Uh, just a matter of personal preference. For sure. So let's go ahead and jump to a couple of the middle round guys, and then we'll each maybe do our usual one, maybe two later round guys that we think could be um, yeah. steeled, as it were. But it's, it's weird because it's like I feel like we talk about a lot of these guys as like third and fourth round picks, and then you start going through the amount of guys you say that about, and it's like there's just no way these guys are all going in the third or fourth round because – but. I think that's because of the just pure amount of just guys from the extra year of eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, I saw a tweet from Jim Nagy uh, who runs the senior bowl. He said something along the lines of they're usually like 500 something guys on their board for the senior bowl each year. And this year there were 700 and that has to do a lot with the extra year of eligibility granted because of COVID and you know, I think we're seeing it here. It's a very deep class, especially in like that day three yeah. range. Early, and, to and you know what? Three. It's funny. The more I, I look at it, even like coming into today, you kind of always like are looking at your 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 prospects and your notes and whatnot. And you're like, I don't know if I have 32 first round pick grades. I have yeah. a ton of guys in like second through fifth, but I don't have 32. I don't think I'd have to go through and count them. I, I just 
whatever. But the first interior mid-round guy I want to bring up, and I'm sure this is really no shock to you, and that's Marquand McCall. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I've seen some people love him later in the draft. And here's where I I get hung up on this, because I probably have like a fourth or fifth on him, like late four, early five. And I understand he brings nothing in the way of pass block, pass rush. And that's okay. He is literally a true zero technique, one gapping defensive tackle. Think yeah. like Casey Hampton or Vince Wilfork. Not, not, not athletically speaking, just the idea of that role. He is a tone setter on the defensive line. He just stacks guys up in front of him and just bullies whoever's trying to block him. He, like I said, he doesn't do much in the way of pass rush, but I love true nose tackles. I think it's a lost art in this, this league. Like, is he going to go later than I have him draft draft projected? Sure. Probably because of his role. It's he's a two down player. You can't have him out there on pass rush downs. You can't really have him out there on screen or screens against a team where screens are prevalent because he physically just can't do it. Yeah, But if you want a true nose tackle for a base 30 front that this guy is just going to eat space and hold his ground and maybe push the pocket back a couple of yards, he's your guy. I fully enjoyed watching him. Like I said, I had a fourth or fifth round grade on him, but he is just so limited and pigeonholed into what he can do. But that role for the right team can be very vital, which may push him up the board into that fourth or fifth round where I personally have graded at. Yeah, and I I definitely see why you like McCall. I mean, he's just a big guy with bad intentions. He's just powerful. So he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, even if he is limited as a pass rusher, just seeing a dude that big along the interior, like teams have to prepare for that, you know, to some extent. So one my mid-round guy that I'm going to go with is uh, Thomas Booker out of Stanford. And he's someone I think, again, fits that three-tech kind of mold that, I, I personally like, uh, I think he's got good length overall, at least, you know, it appears that way on tape His quickness off the ball was solid to me. Uh, his anchor strength looked pretty good. His ability to eat up gaps in the run game, you know, and just hold up blocks and, you know, whether work an arm off to be able to uh, plug up holes. I, I think that he's, you know, just overall a smart football player. And I think he has some technical uh, issues that can pop up every once in a while, especially his pad level. Uh, But I think that with a player of, you know, with his background, with his athleticism, I think there's uh, a good reason to think that he can improve in that regard. Uh, And then I think, I think he's an above average pass rusher in terms of IDLs in this class. I don't know if he's much more than, you know, a rotational guy, but rotational guys have value. And I think that if you're looking at, if he lands in the right position, he could develop into a a decent enough starter. I mean, you're not looking like all pro pro bowl type of guy, but someone who can still contribute to a defense. And I think that it's very valuable, especially in like that round four, round five range, uh, which is personally where I have him. Uh, I think that could be good value. Okay. Now, are you okay if I give you one more guy in the middle rounds that I like? And then yeah, we'll keep sure. it to one late round guy. Yeah. Um, 
I've watched a lot of Iowa State football recently because of my little sister and whatnot having gone there. And I, they've become kind, of, kind of my de facto Division One team that I kind of root for because I went to yeah. SIU and I don't have a real D1 team to root for. Yeah. And Aioma Uazurike, or mm. Enyi, as he goes by. When I first started watching him, I thought he was really like a classic strong side defensive end only kind of guy. And I started really – kind of going back and watching him specifically after I jumped on the uh, wide right natty light podcast to talk with those guys about Iowa state prospects that were going to the draft. And I think he is massive and has really good long arms, active hands. And like, he's really thick all the way through like his hips up through his upper body. And he really just cut. He's, he's not flashy, but he gets the job done kind of thing. Really yeah. kind of a tough blue collar, lunch pail, hard hat, <laughs> lunch pail type of player. Um, now I think you could actually use him like inside, like as a three technique here and there because of his athleticism and his ability to, to do that. He, he's like, I think he's just malleable. I guess would be the word I'm looking for where you can play him at strong side defensive end. You can probably play him at, at five tech and you can even three tech him at end times if you want. Yeah. I could justify him in the fourth or fifth round because of the, the athleticism and the ability. I believe he could be to just kind of be a chess piece along the defensive line. That being said, if you want the most out of him, it's probably going to be as your classic strong side defensive end or maybe a five technique. That's my personal opinion, but I like his ability to be a chess piece. Just my take. Yeah, no. And I definitely agree. I think that from you know three tech, five tech, strong side, the end uh, where I think that, you know, with him uh, five tech would be a very good role uh, just mm-hmm. in general. Uh, you're looking at a dude who's like, He's like what six six, like almost three twenty. I mean, that's a big guy, and he's got you know insanely long arms. Uh, I, there's a lot to like with him for sure. No, I so I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I want to dig into my late round guy, and then we can get kick into yours, and then you know switch gears here. Do it. I personally kind of enjoy small interior defensive linemen. Like they're not guys that. I draft early, but I, I like watching some of the shorter guys and see how they're able to, you know, make up for a lack of length and see how they're able to win. And I, this is a guy who, you know, honestly isn't having a ton of uh, draft buzz in the grand scheme of things. I didn't know about him until like right near the very end of when I was watching tape. Uh, and it's Kalia Davis out of UCF. Uh I'm not going to touch a ton on him because, I mean, he's not a a popular name in terms of, like, the mainstream or anything or just in the draft community in general. I found out just browsing through uh, NFL.com's, like, combine profiles that they had, and I didn't know about him until I saw that. And then I'm like, oh, you know, he's on here. I might as well check him out. And I saw really good acceleration off the ball. I saw good athletic ability just in terms of that uh, lateral quickness, but it's the first step that really stands out to me. Uh, He's got a stout frame and, you know, I think he does a decent job of uh, making up for a lack of length and, you know, just overall size and just how powerful he plays. 
And obviously the size is an issue. He's like six, one and 302 pounds. So that's, you know, it's short for an interior defensive lineman. Uh, but he's a former off ball linebacker who converted to defensive tackle, uh, which is actually interesting. So not even just an edge rusher, he played off ball linebacker. Uh, and he, he's got issues uh, in that he suffered a torn ACL in 2021 and he opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID. So he only has five games of tape to go off of in the last two years. So I think you're looking at an undrafted guy, uh, maybe maybe round seven with him just because there isn't a lot of tape to go off with him. But he's someone who plays with a high motor and he's a slippery rusher. So uh, I think someone will take a shot on it, that athletic upside. For sure. I could totally see that. Um, I guess if you're going to talk about like just someone I think is interesting as like a late round flyer, just see what he can do and just deal with it. I really like DJ Davidson from Arizona state. Okay. Um, former basketball player. He is older. He's already going to be 24. He'll be 25 in his rookie year. So that's a little bit, a int- little bit worrisome, which is part of the reason he is so low. Yeah. But he, like I said, former basketball player, he's six, three, he's 300, just under 330 pounds. Um, Decent natural bend, and he's got a decent another decent first step off the football, and just he's got really like a powerful first strike, but it's inconsistent. It's like he has to learn how to be coached how to use his hands with regularity. But other than that, he's pretty like decent. I think he could be a rotational defensive tackle given the right situation if he he gets into the right spot. And, you know, yeah. he's well-coached and should be ready for NFL defense because he plays under Antonio Pierce. I know Arizona State was under a lot of fire this year with Herm Edwards and everything, but there is something to be said for playing under a former NFL linebacker. If I had one gripe with him, it's he is really inconsistent in almost everything physically. Yeah. Um, and he's just – like, when he's hot, he's almost, like, out of control. When he's cold, you can't find him. Yeah. It, it's like – a tale of two players. And I do want to give a special shout out before we move on to the, to the tight ends here to Eric Johnson from Missouri state university. Um, Actually from the same high school I went to just, you know, a fair amount younger. Um, Good luck to Eric. Hopefully he gets picked in the middle rounds, maybe by someone, but pretty cool to see a guy who went to your same high school kind of making it known which I know same thing for like uh, our buddy Quentin or Butkus stats, who is pulling for Alec Pierce to be drafted here. This maybe even early tomorrow. as yeah. Some people have been speculating from yeah. Lenbard West, I believe. So it's, it's yeah. just kind of cool to see how all the biases play out. Anyway, let's take a quick break here and we'll get back with you in tight ends. We're back. Tight ends. Another really deep class. Like, and it's worth noting that the, these rankings seem to be all over the board, but yeah. who do you like in this tight end class, Jacob, as your numero uno tight end? So I like, <laughs> I, I don't know if, I don't know if the translation's 100% correct on that. I, I am sorry. I am not going to stand for the slander of my perfect Spanish. 
Hey, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I should know better than to stick uh, in between a man and his, his flawless Spanish tra- translations. But my, my tight end one is uh, Trey McBride out of Colorado state. And again, like you Excellent mentioned, pick. yeah, I thank you. And I feel like uh, <clears throat> it, it differs for a lot of different guys. Uh, just who your tight end one is, especially in this class, but McBride's the guy for me. Uh, I think you're looking at some of the softest hands in this class at tight end, if not the softest, just his ability to make catches look so easy, uh, you know, make the grab away from his frame is impressive to me. He's a good athlete, you know, solid red zone threat. I think he brings good overall physicality at the catch point. Uh I don't think he's elite in an, in an area necessarily, but I don't think he's really bad anywhere either. I think, you know, he's a good pass catcher, not the greatest blocker, but he, I don't think he's a liability there necessarily. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's a, you know, fluid enough athlete where, okay, sure. Maybe he's not going to separate a ton against man, but you give him some zone to work with. I think he's going to eat it up. Uh and you can he's athletic enough. I feel like you can stretch him out on the scene pretty well. Uh, he's just a good, well-rounded guy. He's someone that, you know, I, I don't have around. Uh, I don't have him until like early round three. So I don't think that there's much <clears throat> high end talent in this tight end class, but there's a lot of depth. So I think sure. McBride is a good pass catcher. I think he brings some good versatility to the game. So he's my tight end one. So I agree with you. And I want to preface this by saying for as deep as I think the class is, I don't think there's any really like someone's going to reach on Trey McBride. And I say that like in the middle of the second round, I wouldn't probably take Trey McBride till the back end of it, even early in the third. It's when you get to those tight ends that they're, it's like, there's a grouping of them and you're like, Holy crap. Just guy after guy after guy. Yeah, and but, it's in that uh, it's in that Cole Komet mold from 2020. Right. Oh, don't stop talking about that. You're going to get me on a tangent. I'll <laughs> go down that road. I don't want Bears fans angry at me on draft picks, oh. Jacob. Uh, yeah. Sorry for me. <laughs> Sorry to even bring it up. Um, that's my bad. Yeah. It, it, you're right. It is your bad. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, but uh, that's me running on with you. Sleep. I'm not making wise decisions. I'm Tra- just goofing Tra- up. Trey McBride right. is also my tight end one. Uh, number two for me, though, is – so McBride full disclosure, I think, is more like an H-back, kind of in the mold of, like, it's easy, but like a Chris Cooley or like a Dallas Clark. Yeah. Where I don't think he he's a true Y, and I really don't think he's a true move tight end either where you can just put him wherever because he would struggle to get off of corners because he's just not that level of athlete. But I do think a more true move tight end could be Greg Dolak. Dolcich, Jesus, I can't. Woo! Tired. Oh boy, dull stitch. Dull stitch. Um, yeah. Um, super athletic, really lined up in the slot a lot. He needs to work a lot on his bulk and his actual ability to block because you can't just you can't just put him wherever. Yeah. Like it, he's not gonna line up in line. You're gonna get him, you're gonna get yourself killed trying to do that because he doesn't do that. He's not the biggest guy. He's 6'4", 240 pounds. Um, he, he's strong enough. He's got really long arms and a great catch radius. But 
I, I really like his ability to be more of a classic move tight end because of the athletic ability. And his, he actually had a, quite a bit of explosive plays down the field, but yeah. I think he's pretty solidly the tight end too. I, I'm not sure where you have him, but that's where I had Dulcich. Yeah, that's where I have him too, is tight end too. And I think that he brings a lot uh, as a pass catcher, the athleticism, just the fluidity. I think he's one of the better route runners in this class of the position. So number three, I'm interested in seeing if we continue to be. This is where it could get really muddied up. Because it's really what's your flavor. And for me, it – it's a guy who's a grad transfer and not many people knew a ton about him until like he lit the combine absolutely up. And that's Jelani Woods from Virginia. Yep. Yeah. He was at Oklahoma state. Um, and then he grad transferred to, to, to Virginia and good Lord did when he gets <laughs> to the combine, absolutely blow it. And see the production was good. Not great. Like he caught 44 balls for 600 yards and eight touchdowns. That's not like terrific production. And truth be told, a lot of college tight ends don't have just absolutely great, terrific production. It's the nature of the position. But 6'7, 253 pounds, 37 and a half inch vert, 10 foot, nine inch vertical. He four six one to the forty yard dash at that size, and you watch him. He's got really like loose, greased up hips. He's able to sink and stem, and he's like he could be a really great tight end, or he could be nothing because you're banking on him to just master his athletic tools. I really like him, but it's like when you start getting to this area of, do you want the guy that's more polished? and more safe or do you take the the swing on the loud tools now i will say woods is a bit overage like i said he redshirted and then he grad transferred so he's going to be 24 this coming season older but i he's just so long limbed he's, he's he's such a big target and it's just like unbelievable now i will say the 40 for as great as it was it is a bit deceiving because his short area quickness really isn't there be- yeah. probably because he is six foot seven, but I think Jelani is the tight end three in this class. If for nothing else, the tools of what he could become, it's not for what he is at this very moment. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent that Woods. he's a work in progress. I think from a blocking perspective, a route running perspective, but like you mentioned the length, the long speed, just the tools that you're working with, the ball skills, uh, there's a lot to like there. So I have a feeling that we're going to separate here at tight end four because this is a guy I'm higher on than the consensus. Let me hear uh, it. Give it to me. That's uh, Cole Turner out of Nevada. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting real spicy here on a Thursday oh, morning. Oh, we get but- spicy. There's oh, uh, well, I'm about to get a little spicy on you with my tight end four after this. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be quick on Turner. Cause I'm interested in hearing your guy too. But I, when I see Turner, I see one of the better red zone threats in this class. I see someone with good hands, just the ability to, you know, make snags away from his frame, hit the 50, 50 ball, 
Uh, I think, you know, even though he's a little bit lighter for a tight end, he has a very, he has a big catch radius. He's a taller guy around like six, six. Uh, and you say he, big catch radius remember, reminds me of Phil Emery when he, <laughs> he goes talking about after trading for Brandon Marshall, like, yeah, he's got a big ball radius. Like, all right, Phil. Oh, that's, oh God. I forgot that's, about that. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough, Phil. Anyway, not, pause not a, and continue. Not yeah, <laughs> so I'm not gonna say that, but uh, I think Turner, like I mentioned, just insane catch radius. Uh, <laughs> good, <athlete. laughs> uh, good overall athleticism, you know, solid long speed. Not the shiftiest route runner. I don't think he's a great run blocker, but I just, I think he plays with the willingness. Uh, it's just a matter of adding more more lower body strength to his frame and improving his pad level. Uh, So I think the physicality and the willingness to engage in contact is most certainly there. Uh, And and again, I think that I have Turner as my tight end for, I do have like a round four grade on him. They're realistically like five other guys that are like neck and neck in this spot. Like my four through eight are really pretty interchangeable. Uh, But Turner's my four just because of the red zone value and the physicality and the willingness he brings to the table. So I know I'm higher on him than most, but Turner's my tight end four. And I can see that. Not quite as high on him as you, but I am going to give you one that probably I'm higher on than almost everybody, where I'm almost like on an aisle. And I'll call it Chuckles Island because everyone's going to laugh at me. And Uh-oh. Charlie Kohler is my tight end for. Ooh. You know, I, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> I, I knew you were high on him. I knew you were high on him. Yeah. Well, again, you start watching these guys religiously. And Kohler is the exception to the rule of tight ends not being overly productive. Charlie Kohler was exceptionally productive. In his last three seasons, he caught 51 balls, 44 balls, and 63 balls for 700 yards, 590 yards, and 764 yards. He is immensely big, six foot seven, 252 pounds. And I thought he was going to test change of direction wise better than most people did. And then he went to the combine and he blew it up. Not like Jelani did, but he like really put to bed some concerns that I think a lot of people had. When you saw this like light, light, super tall tight end, like he, he verted almost 37 inches. He broad jumped 10 flat his listen to this for a guy this size. He like, you would think with the high hips and stuff, he would have an issue changing direction. He had a 4.35 shuttle mm-hmm. and a 6.983 cone. He's moving and turning his hips better than most receivers in this class. And you can speculate that because most receivers didn't even bother with the change in direction drills. Um, I mean, you're looking at a sub seven second three cone drill for that size. That's that's impressive. And well, it does. It does come with issues, though, because he is so long and limmy and not really. Not really thickly built he's only 250 pounds. So he does not block. Like I've seen some places say, Oh, he's a pure Y. Like, did you watch Iowa state's tape or games even in like, he's never lined up 
on the line. He's always in the slot or out wide. Like he's one of, he is Purdy's number one target. Yeah. And Chase Allen out of Iowa State's usually been, you know, the better blocker, blocker. at least in the tight end position. But to kind of finish up on it, great hands, like not just as a tight end, he has great hands. He literally only had five drops his entire college career on volume. Um, He, it sounds funny because I, I always talk about with like defensive backs, but he's mastered like the offensive pass interference of kind of when he, he stems off to turn around, he kind of gives you a quick little shiver and he turns yeah. around, he's open. Like he, he's mastered it. It's kind of funny, but I think he is the tight end four. I have actually a third round grade on him, which I need Iowa state fans to get out of my DMS. Cause I said, I put this whole thing up. Like I had a third or fourth on him. Then I went back and rewatched him. I got progressively higher because it's like, this dude is just a, he's an offensive weapon. Now yeah. I say that in terms of he can catch the ball. He's going to be a red zone threat. He's never going to break a tackle ever because <laughs> he is so thin. And it's like, it's funny when you watch him, it's like the second, wherever he catches within like one to three yards is probably where he's going to end up yeah. because he just doesn't turn and run. Well, it doesn't, it's not what he does, but that being said, Charlie Kohler, tight end four. Awesome. All right. I think he's gonna he's gonna make some team very happy in that fourth round area. Yeah, no, and you know, like the <clears throat> excuse me, like the case was for Turner. Like I'm not as high on Kolar as you are, but I can definitely see that point of view. Uh so <clears throat> I want to dig into my tight end five. I feel like I feel like this one's a little bit more conservative, a bit more in line with what the rest of draft Twitter has. And that's Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio state. And he's someone who's been on my radar since I want to say last year, because he didn't, uh, he chose to uh, stick around in college for another year. And I watched him, you know, prep for 2021. Uh, I I see just another, you know, pretty well-rounded guy. I think he's a good pass catcher. Uh, maybe not the best blocker. I think pad level can be a bit of an issue for him sometimes, but good athlete, good quickness for a tight end off the snaps, you know, solid, not great, but, you know, solid enough route runner. I think he's a very good red zone threat. Again, he's got good hands. He can consistently make grabs away from his frame, not a body catcher by any means. Uh, just a guy who's willing to compete on the 50, 50 ball. You have those, you know, tighter windows, he's physical enough that he's able to, uh, you know, come down with those grabs and tight windows. So he's a well-rounded guy. I wouldn't say he's necessarily elite in a specific area, but I like his ability in the red zone a lot. Uh, Just a a classic security blanket tight end, in my opinion. So especially if you have like a rookie tight end or something, just having Ruckert in that offense, you know, just as a reliable sort of backup option, I think could be a solid move for a team like late day two, probably early day three with him. But uh, if the team's feeling frisky, you know, late round three, I say they could go for it. Sure. Um, let me go ahead and give you my tight end five. Cause I'm a little higher on him than others. And I know he's become a favorite of like the mock draft community, but I was put onto him by, the senior draft analyst at Windy City. And yeah. that's Chig Okonkwo. And mm. I watched him and I love that they 
he almost reminds me of like a cross of like Kyle Juszczyk meets Delaney Walker. Yeah. Um, like he, he's not just a tight end. He's not just a fullback. He's not just an H back. He is an offensive weapon in the similar vein of Kyle Juszczyk or, or like the way Delaney Walker was when he was in the league where they're kind of lining him up everywhere and letting his athleticism just go to work. Yeah. Am I sitting here saying he's going to be great? I don't know, but I love that he is seemingly so versatile and good at what he can do. It's more like you just get something from him that not a lot of other players in this class offer at that level of athleticism. Um, now, that being said, I can see the deficiencies. He doesn't have a quote-unquote true position. He does lack certain things in size, like as that would tell you. And the production wasn't really super great. But I think Okonkwo, if you get him in the right system and the right ability to let him just kind of be himself and use him all over the place, um, you should have yourself a pretty good football player and probably like the f- top of the fifth end of the fourth. Yeah, and I mean – just because of the way my grading scale works, I, I I obviously have a knock on him for size, you know, height, weight. He's you know well below average. No, he's little. He he's, he's a small six, guy for tight end. Is he? I don't even think he he made it to six three, right? Like he measured in really short. Uh, I have it pulled up. He's six two and a half, two thirty eight. Yeah. So height that's eighth percentile tight end, and weight that's fourth percent for tight end, and. Arm length is a bit better, but it's still, you know, below the 40% threshold. Uh, so I, I don't have him as high, but I do feel like just because of the athleticism alone, teams are going to find ways to use him. And I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, if he ends up outperforming his eventual draft positioning. I think he's the best, just overall the fastest and the best route running tight end in this class. I think that just his lateral ability is impressive to me. What he brings after the catch is also really impressive. Uh, obviously, I think that maybe not the most physical guy. But he's not a terrible blocker. I think especially oh, – he, he tries. It's kind of like the same thing I was talking about like with Calvin Austin when it came to wide receivers. It's not yeah. his fault he's so little. Yeah. Like he goes to bow up on defensive ends and linebackers. He kind of just can't do it. It's not for lack of effort. It's just – Eh, like, yeah. like he's just he lacks requisite weight in his ass that's just yeah. what it does what it is you know and I'm, I'm thinking here uh we could dig into mid-round guys unless there's anyone yeah, that really let's do it think was your fancy no I think we're already well into the mid-round like considering we both kind of agreed like it was the back end of the second round where you're talking about the top of the class so we'll yeah. get into the mid-round late round guys and just see where we kind of fall on those Go ahead. The yeah. floor is yours, Senor Infante. Why? You, you just, know, what the hell? You're just <laughs> in a Spanish mood today. You know, and <laughs> the, uh, Infante actually is, you know, a last name that a lot of, you know, like Hispanic, you know, Latin people have. Like, I remember Omar Infante. In yeah, I was going to say, shouts out to former shortstop Omar Infante. <laughs> I remember that weird year where he was an all-star because like he was okay. Yeah, for the for the 
Tigers, maybe? Tigers or Royals? I think it might have been the year because the Royals had, like, all-stars at every single position from a fan voting perspective. And then the MLB is like, well, not the MLB. I have friends who are bigger baseball fans than I am, and they – are, they're aggressive literally anytime anyone says the MLB because it that's the major league baseball. Oh, it's, it, we have weird quirks like that in our, yeah, I, so we are both wrong. His one yeah. <laughs> random all-star appearance was the one of two seasons he spent in Atlanta in 2010. Wait, really? I was, yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. I could have sworn that was. Uh, so for oh. lunch pail, lunch pail draft cast listeners, you came for the prospect breakdown. You stayed for the Omar Infante quiz. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Go ahead, Jacob. I, go with, go back back to the tight end. Jesus. Okay. Okay. I don't know. How... Dumbest show ever. Interesting. Yeah, this is so dumb, dude. Like, <laughs> we're both just, just like, dumb. oh, just God. dumb. Okay. You're just freaking idiots over here. But yeah, no, yeah. So. We're dumb, so listen to us give our draft opinions, and hopefully you and then come dunk on us in two years when we're all wrong. Of course, because we're dumbasses over here. But Mr. Darnell Mooney's in UDFA. Look at this guy. Uh, I mean, I, I did an article at Windy City Gridiron, like the worst. I, I so, that's why. Yeah. That's why I had to bring it up. I'm like this yeah. guy is actually doing this to himself like why wait, are you wait, wait, just... hold up hold up wait no i should i should clarify i should clarify the darnell mooney thing that wasn't me i actually did like darnell mooney because i think the article i think it might have been a little confusing because it, it was my worst bears miss my worst draft miss and then i did the nfl's worst miss on a bears player and that was or just the media in general and NFL.com had him as an undrafted free agent. Oh, so for gotcha. what it's worth, I did like Darnell Mooney. Yeah, yeah. Don't we're not going to disparage your good name on draft Twitter, Jacob. To, to your Thank breakdown. You. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> my uh, one of my mid round guys that I like. It's it's a really weird case with this guy because he was a stud at Oklahoma. Then he had to medically retire due to concussions. Then he came back. I think it was a year or two later to SMU where he put together a solid year, got a senior bowl invitation. That's Grant Calcaterra Calcaterra out of I've SMU. said Calcaterra, but I'm, I'm also mispronouncing everyone's name today. Okay. Although I got, although I got any for some strange reason from Iowa state. Okay. Somehow. Cool. All right. So, <laughs> just man, <laughs> you're doing your best. All right. So I'm quickly frantically, Calcaterra. Yep. Calcaterra. I got that wrong. God, I've known this guy for years and still can't get the name right. I mean, again, I'm an idiot. You're doing your best. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying. But uh, yeah, so Calcaterra is a guy that, you know, he's a little bit smaller for a tight end around the 6'3 range, 240-ish. But again, a good athlete. I think he brings, you know, overall good long speed and the fluidity across the middle of the field is impressive to me. Like he's a guy I mentioned earlier as like a seam threat. I think that Calcaterra fits that mold. Uh, you know, I think he's a good overall U tight end sort of projection. He's got good hands, a natural pass catcher, uh, solid red zone threat and just how he competes at the catch point. 
not the best blocker. I don't think he brings a whole lot in terms of that, you know, sheer size advantage uh, and just the strength, I think is a little bit of a concern, but I think if you're looking for an athletic pass catcher that you can get on day three, Calcaterra is a good fit. Uh, I think he probably goes around the fifth round. If I had to guess, just because there are concerns with this profile, the medical retirement, you have to check and see if that all comes out well. Uh, but yeah, I have him as my tight end 10 right now. And I think there's Ooh. a chance that he can be a, Ooh. you know, a solid, a solid rotational contributor. I don't think he's ever going to be tight end one for a team, but you know, high, high end tight end two for a team that utilizes some, you know, a decent amount of 12 personnel. I think he'd be a could, solid. Could, would you call him a, a high end? I hate myself. I'm I'm done. That's dude. I oh god. Stop it. Dumbest show ever. This is just (laughs) disgusting at this point. (laughs) Um my mid-round guy, before we move on to the later round guys, I'm gonna go with Kate Otten. I know I've seen some people a lot higher on him than myself. I've got him in like the end of the fifth, early sixth. Um he does pretty well to get separation for himself. He, I mean, another bigger tight end, six foot five, two fifty. Um, but for, despite the the requisite, I, so the the requisite like weight you would expect for a guy of that ilk, yeah, to be the Y tight end that he seems to be, he does block pretty good in terms of like his willingness and his tenacity in the run game. Now he does, like I said, he does lack a little in the weight area, so he does tend to kind of get pushed back if he doesn't if he doesn't strike strike first strike hard in the words of Cobra Kai um but he he moves pretty well in terms of like testing he's not great he's slightly above average to above average um I think he's probably more of a tight end too in the Y mold because of where he does struggle in terms of like his ability to run after catch and turn his hips and all this, but I think he's solid. I think you could, you're getting yourself a solid football player who can work the middle of the field, really out of the wide tight end spot and get himself going. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my God. For both seasons. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. All right. Well, Jacob, let's wrap this up here. One final tight end for each of us. Who is your late round guy? All right, so and when I, I say late round with this guy, he's realistically probably going to go undrafted because he didn't even play tight end in college. He was a wildcat quarterback at Ohio University, and this guy is Armani Rogers. He's someone who went down to the Shrine Bowl. EJ Snyder can attest to him because I remember seeing him tweet and that's actually how I first got introduced to Armani Rogers as a prospect. And I, there's obviously a lot of concerns. Like what is he going to bring as a blocker? And it, can he line up as an inline guy? We'll find out. Uh, there's not, there's no tape basically on this guy as a blocker. So we don't know what to expect. Uh but what we do have is he looked good as a route runner in practices and in the game itself. And in terms of watching him on tape, you see the athleticism and his ability as a ball carrier. And I think that that's huge with him just because 
he got an opportunity. I think it was a 99 yard run for a touchdown in his collegiate career. So he fit is this past year. He finished with uh, on 92 carries. He had 552 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. He's a big guy. He's like six, five. He needs to fill out more. So he's like two thirty. So he's skinny for a tight end. He's going to need to add some more weight, but uh you know, very good athlete, dynamic runner after the catch, uh, just a, a tough runner. And again, we'll see how that translates to the NFL because he, he just naturally looked bigger than everyone else. And you'll see more size, more strength in the NFL. So I don't know if he's going to be able to bounce off of tacklers the way he did in the Mac, but again, very good athlete, creative, shifty uh, runner when he gets the ball in his hands and by all accounts promise in terms of his hands catching ability and in terms of his route running. So I think he's going to be an undrafted free agent, but if teams really want to get frisky with it, take him in round seven, just have a blast and see what happens. Absolutely. So I'm going to be a bit pandery here. Um, go, you know, we are from the Chicago area and well, I'm actually in the city because I'm cool guys. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're Mr. Big city over here. Mr. Big City living over here. Um, But uh, kid out of Crete Money, Illinois, he started his career in college as a small undersized tight end at Western Illinois and transferred to Northern where he he led the team in rushing touchdowns after being Western Illinois Leatherneck leading receiver for a year or two. I can't remember the exact number, but that's Clint Ratkovich. Now, my heart goes out to Clint because he tore his knee up, I believe, working out for the Packers up in Wisconsin. And that's just terrible. And he's going to be a priority free agent because he he's not a tight end, but he played tight end. That's why I'm kind of like sneaking him in here because I want to talk fair. about him. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, he started out initially in college as a safety, moved to the fullback role at Northern Illinois after playing like undersized tight end H-back at Western Illinois. Um, but he's really like thickly built, condensed. Uh, he almost reminds me a bit of a less athletic when he came out of Northwestern a few years back, Danny Vitale. Ooh, okay. But you know, I, does he have a future in the league? I th- I would have felt better about that prior to the knee injury. But I hope he makes it in this league. He's a really fun follow on Twitter. Had a really successful college football career, all things considered. Um, best of luck to him. I hope he makes his way in the NFL because he, he might be able to carve out a role in like that fullback and he's a special teams monster. That's where a lot of these guys at the bottom of the roster are going to have to make their hay as we've talked about a few times, but, uh, that's my late round undrafted guy that I, I really like, but I don't know what his role is going to be, especially after the, the unfortunate injury. So, uh, Shout out to Clint Rakovich. Hope best of luck uh, at your pursuing your NFL dreams. Yeah, and I'm glad you found a way to sneak him in there because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to include him because you know I have him as a fullback, but like technically, yeah, he played tight end. So at any Western, chance, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I, it's a it's a complete pandering play on my end, and it's no. utterly stupid. <laughs> but you know what? you got to sometimes give love to the hometown kids. And we did it twice this episode with Eric Johnson and now Clint Rakovich. Of course. Best of luck to yeah. both the Illinois boys. Yeah. Who would it be if we weren't pandering to our 
predominantly our, our audience. Yeah. What, what the hell are we? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get out of here, Jacob. I got to go to work. You got to get ready and do your 17,000 podcast appearances because you're Mr. Big Shot. Uh, uh, where can the fine folks link. find you? Yeah. So you guys can find me uh, for an hour in the middle of the draft uh, in my econ exam at Thursday <laughs> at 8 p.m. Central. <laughs> That's just killer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, usually I'm a from an. It, for, I should preface from an exam perspective, from an exam perspective, I'm a quick finisher, but so I'm not too worried about missing a lot of time. Uh, but still, I mean, that just sucks. Like I love the draft more than I love myself, uh, which I mean, that's not saying a lot, but I, I'm not excited to be sitting through that and have to learn about uh federal funds rates while the Vikings are taking Jordan Davis or whatever. But yeah, my rant about school aside, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. You can find a lot of my written work as well as the rest of the stuff here that we've done in the lunch pail draft cast at Windy city gridiron. Uh, A lot of stuff over at draft wire. Uh, I've done, you know, basically all prospect interviews they're leading up to the draft, but I'll have some more written stuff coming out there these next couple of days. So yeah, make sure to check that out. And yeah, now if you excuse me, uh, I'll let you plug your stuff. I'm going to see <laughs> if I can take like an hour long nap before I can, I kick into my classes and the rest of my uh, studying and draft prep here. Oh, absolutely. So for the fine folks out there who have given us all your time and attention these last few weeks and stuck with us through our little not recording throughout the season, despite our intentions to, that will be happening this year where we keep up with the upcoming prospects and the prospects we liked coming out of this class. Um, You can find me on the bird app at Dan, me and M as in Mary, two E's, H-A-N as in Nicholas, the number is nine zero. Um, I'm sure Jacob and I will be back here probably sometime late earlier next week to break down the bears class of not just prop what I would guess seven to eight picks after a trade down, maybe two, but probably like 25 undrafted free agents because <laughs> they have so many roster spots to fill. And who, you know what, as draft nuts, you know what we love on UDFAs who have no shot in hell at making this team, but oh, yeah. we like to pretend. Yeah. No, um, and I, I, I love the undrafted rush uh, almost as much as I like the actual draft itself. Just seeing all the reports flying in. Oh, you know, this guy lands here. And I'm like, oh, wait, I had like a fourth round grade on that guy. You know, did I screw up or yeah. the NFL screw up? You what know, did I, fun. yeah, what did I miss? Yeah. So, so needless to say, once again, Jacob, it's been a blast. I'll, we'll talk in a couple of days and I'm sure we'll be texting plenty throughout the draft. Oh, no, totally. Um, <laughs> It's been a fun breakdown. I'm glad we got this all out before the draft started. Let's get this damn thing open. Let's have all the people boo Roger. It's <laughs> draft day. It is draft season, baby. Let's roll. Merry draft, miss. We're signing out.